Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this interview is Graham Rittinger, who is the director, producer, movie maker, pleb extraordinaire, uh, one of the team, one of the guys behind the, the Bitcoin film Dare to Dream, which is a documentary style film filmed in El Salvador on location. And a big shout out to our boy, my brother, uh, John Vallis, who was thrown into the deep end on this project too. And we, we go down a rabbit hole of that story and how this all come together. But what I love about this film is it gives you so much hope. and gives you real a, a real tangible thing to pass to your family, to your normie friends that aren't just aren't listening. And let them see what a difference Bitcoin is making to people like uh, Chimbera and uh, the... The, the whole project down there at Bitcoin Beach in El Zonte, how it come together and, you know, what, what we're really here for. It ain't the number go up. This is, this, I mean, we might have come here, but I love the saying, come for the money, stayed for the money. And I think this is a perfect, perfect display of the power of Bitcoin and uh, incredible movie as well with some great, great scenes and uh, brilliant, brilliant production. So, Enjoy the episode. Please go and support the team that did this. You might even be able to go and see a screening at an event somewhere or get in touch and screen it yourself or get to the Bitcoin Film Festival in Warsaw. That's going to be April next year. Uh, yeah, look out for more details on that coming up. And uh, don't forget, Bitcoin Atlantis will be coming up first quarter of next year, 1st and 3rd of March. Just got off another planning session. This is turning out to be such an incredible, incredible event. Use the code BITTEN, get your tickets, and you will get a 10% discount. Make sure you're stacking your sats. The show sponsors out of the US, SWAN, Bitcoin, out of Europe, Relay, R-E-L-A-I, .ch. Both are offering you a way to DCA and smash by your sats, and they offer a white glove service. HODL, HODL have you covered for a global peer-to-peer -peer trading and lending platform, and that is a KYC-free way for you to stack your sats as well. Up your privacy with Wasabi Wallet. Use a CoinJoin service. Just download the software on your desktop, run some sats through it, watch the CoinJoin happen in front of your eyes. You can follow your transactions, check what's going on on the mempool by heading over to mempool.space. Check out what the fees are at the moment. Please don't be sending Bitcoin and paying too much on your fees. And finally, do take self-control. As we speak, there's been uh, somebody on Twitter this week talking about how they lost their Bitcoin. It's very, very sad when this happens. Take control. Get a hardware wallet. Uh, you can use the Bitbox 02. It is a Bitcoin-only hardware wallet. If you use the code BITTEN at checkout, you will get a 5% discount on that particular wallet. It's uh, well-known within the industry. Do your own research, of course, but these guys have been around for a long time. With all that said, make sure you join Orange Pill App find your plebs and sit back and enjoy this rip with Graham. 
All right, Graham, great to see you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome, and thank you for uh, thank you for the work. We've uh, well, Lauren's not seen it yet. My wife and I watched Dare to Dream the other night, and um, of course, for those listening or watching, Graham Rittiner is the uh, director, producer, all of the above. Producer, yeah, producer of of uh, the film Dare to Dream. Yeah, different guy, Joe Joe Delahanty, uh did the directing, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, produced it. I'm not actually a producer by background. We can get into that, but uh, uh, I did produce my first first film. This was uh, this was it. All right, Lauren. Question: Which one? Your first one. Um. Yeah. So you kind of already answered it. I was I was gonna say like, why do you become a producer? But um... well, I, I guess I didn't ask. I didn't answer the question why. Um. So yeah, good question. I. I've I've always loved documentaries um, for you know for many many years. A great documentary. I, it's just you know one of those things that um, yeah I've always I've always really enjoyed. So in the back of my mind, I had this idea maybe one day I could get involved, make a you know make a documentary, um, even though I don't have that kind of background. And and then you know when i went down the into the you know the bitcoin rabbit hole and and all of that it started becoming clearer that if i was going to make one it was probably going to be uh to do with to do with bitcoin and then i went to el salvador uh when the the, the news came out about the new the new law um and i went on a on a sort of exploratory trip to el salvador and i discovered this story and uh and i was like wow this is this is uh this is it this is probably if i'm going to make a documentary this has got all the hallmarks of a you know of a great of a great film so that was what in the end triggered me to uh to to do it and um yeah so that's uh that's that's how i that's how it all came about i don't know whether i will go on i think i maybe i will to do more, but um, that was how the first one uh, happened. Wow, that was uh, so. Wait, you're the one. Wait, did you come up with the idea, or you just? Yeah, I, I came up with the idea for the film. I mean, as as it turns out, the the guys, the main guys, who are the kind of protagonists of the of the film, the the um, the Bitcoin Beach guys. Uh, had already been thinking because by that stage their their story was was starting to to come out and it was obviously a pretty uh, fascinating story that le then led on to this you know his history being made with El Salvador and um, so they they themselves I think had started thinking about you know that maybe there's a documentary in their in their story they'd been approached by uh, some other people but they were mainly um bigger kind of networks from the us that wanted to sort of profit from their from their story you know it was there was very much a kind of self for selfish motives and um for 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 us for me uh, there was no incentive you know to to make money out of it i just wanted to you know get the film out get the story out there and so yeah we we you know we we connected and Got on great and found you know I guess the chemistry and the right vision for the for the film and uh, yeah so so it was 
little bit, you know, they had an idea, but uh, essentially it was my my idea, I guess, my kind of vision of, of what this could be. Now, I've got to ask a question at this moment because we've been, my wife and I have been talking about uh, the the film that we watched and I've been saying to the kids, right, when you get a time, when you get some time, you got to sit down and watch this film uh, called Dare to Dream. And they keep shouting back at me, it's not a film, it's a documentary. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's no difference to me, right? But clearly there is to the kids. Is there a difference in the industry or to you or, you know, what, what's the correct terminology here? Uh, well, it's it's both, right? So documentary is is a genre of films or movies, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think if if you said to someone, what's your favorite film? They would probably think about a film with actors and, you know, and acting and so on. So in that sense, you could say, yeah, it's film is more, you know, used in that context, but a documentary is, well, a feature documentary, especially, because you can get, you can get short, you know, 10 minute documentaries, or I wouldn't really call a film, but I guess you could still say it's a short film, but yeah, it's, it's a type of, it's a type of film, but um, I can, I can see the other, the other side of it as well. Um, yeah. What, what do you, what is it in your mind, Lauren? So basically a documentary for me is when there's no actors, well, most of the time, maybe in some little clips, but, you know, because it's documentaries and then little clips and how they explain it. But um, it's it's kind of like when, when a movie wants to do something historical, they'll get actors and they'll act it out. But the people who want to do a documentary, they'll get the people that were there and talk about it, like an interview. Um, all right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty much it. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, your father is is right as well. <laughs> it is still a film. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> say goodbye to Graham. All right. On yes. that note. Thank you. Bye. Take that memory right, bye. Nice to meet you. Go tell your brothers and sisters. Yeah, actually, Daddy was half right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah probably not going to bother. Them. <laughs> <sighs> Do you have kids, Graham? I don't, actually. I don't. Right. I... <laughs> well, there you go. There was a good advert for uh, why not to have kids. <laughs> so, okay, we, we've got to we've got to do this. Um, we've got to do a bit of exploration here and investigation into your, your journey because this is what the the plebs and the listeners and the viewers love to kind of connect with as as people like yourself. You weren't a movie producer. You had nothing to do with that industry, I'm guessing. You jump on a flight to El Salvador and you come back and you're producing movies. Like, this is what Bitcoin does, right? This is nuts. Exactly. exactly. So let's back it up, please, mate. You, you've clearly grown up um, in and around the UK, I'm guessing, from, from your accent. Well, so I'm English. You're correct about that. Um, but actually, I was, yeah, I was born in London. But I didn't actually get brought up uh, in the UK. So my my father was a chemical engineer in the oil industry, and so the first part of my life actually was I, I lived in well we as a family lived in many different places, um, strange kind of uh, strange sort of parts of the world. So I had quite an interesting sort of upbringing, I guess. 
I started my, you know, I was born in London, but then the first, my first months of my life were um, in a, in some weird little town in Oklahoma. And, uh, and then not, not that I remember any of that, but I've seen some old cine film and stuff from the back in those days. And then we moved to Bahrain uh, in the Middle East and spent the uh, first couple of years, I guess, in my life there. Very different country to the Bahrain that we have now. It's back in the 70s. And uh, then we moved to Iran. I uh, lived a couple of years in Iran. And then we we left at about the time of, the, you know, we were there when the Shah was there. And then we left about the time of the revolution. And um, it started getting dangerous. And so we, we got out and um, we moved back to Europe. We went and lived in Italy. Uh, spent a couple of years living in Italy and then moved to Spain. And uh, so by I think we moved to Spain when I was about eight years old. And my parents actually they've lived in Spain ever since. Um, so so yeah, I was I was uh, yeah as you say I, I'm I'm from the UK but uh, not brought up in the UK. Eventually went back and studied in the UK and and lived there. Lived in London for uh, a number of years. But uh, yeah, that was the that was the start of my life. Okay, so you you finish your studies and then off into the the grand old world and finding a career nine to five corporate ladder that kind of stuff more or less more or less yeah um so i i uh yeah i mean i was i guess just to go back a step i i was not one of those people who chose you know i didn't i went to university but i didn't study you know medicine or law or you know accountancy or whatever i didn't have a a very clear focus of what I wanted to do actually at that point in my life all I really wanted to do was was travel I was intensely curious about the world and wanting to just I, I guess in some ways maybe my upbringing had already start started to shape you know my outlook and um, I just wanted to see the world so I I ended up studying Spanish and Latin American studies um, because I knew that my third year would be I could go to South America um, and spend, uh, you know, part of the year there. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, you know, I came out of university with a useless degree, uh, had no idea what I was going to do. Um, but I was, you know, and I actually I just carry I, I was, you know, scrimping and saving and, and managing to keep keep traveling. Really, I was still really my focus for quite a while was traveling uh i guess that spirit of adventure right and um but eventually yeah i had to think about uh getting a job proper job and so uh yeah i i, I started working in london i managed to find a find a job at a very kind of low level uh in uh to do with in the world of kind of marketing and ended up working in london for quite a few years probably nearly 10 years uh really in that in that world of uh kind of marketing agencies branding digital communications um that kind of stuff and uh so yeah I, not exactly corporate ladder but you know I was I was uh, in that world and eventually then moved to uh Barcelona uh, in uh, in Spain uh, work, I I guess I moved more from the kind of 
marketing communication side, I moved more into product development and innovation uh, and ended up running my own consultancy in Barcelona for about six or seven years uh, doing that, doing yeah, product design, development, innovation, consulting. And um, yeah, and then that during that whole spell, I was, you know, it was, it was I was also, you know, very much in by that stage into the whole Bitcoin uh, world. Uh, I had gone down the rabbit hole, and uh, how, and so, why, what, what, what happened? <laughs> that that was in London, was it? When you're doing the it, marketing? Well, it, well, the the beginnings, the the kind of pretext, I guess, was was in London. Um, so I moved from I, I actually I originally moved to Malaga before Barcelona, and I that happened in 2009. Um, but sort of before that, so in London, I guess the rabbit hole story began without bitcoin having arrived yet um and that was so yeah i mean it was it was interesting it was uh the time when i got i guess i got my first like proper job in london with a reasonable salary um was around 2003 4 or 2003 i think it was and at that stage everybody around me were were just buying flats you know it was it was very much in the kind of the 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 middle of the you know property bubble i guess and and everyone yeah everyone was buying flats i i hadn't i didn't really i'd never been very inclined towards getting loans getting a mortgage you know i just i had this sort of aversion to this idea of getting into debt you know um and but you know i i guess i got sucked into it there were people you know people around me buying and i was like okay well maybe it makes sense maybe it's a good you know idea good good investment so i i i kind of you know put together a budget based on what i thought i could get as a mortgage you know on my salary and you know the deposit i had and stuff and and i think the budget i had at the time was about 250k right um and so, as I say, around 2003, four, and I thought that's a, you know, that's a pretty good budget. That should get me, you know, get me something half decent. And I went out and I started doing the, I started looking at flats and, you know, and looking at what I could get for my budget. And I was just, I, I was just blown away by how small these little places were. And, um, and then it just got me, you know, and I realized it just got me, thinking you know like I say how how is it possible all these people around me a lot of them in their 20s they're all buying flats they're all getting into debt they're all you know that none of them are well most of them aren't particularly you know uh you know they're not the sharpest tools in the box let's say and yet they're they're all getting you know and it just it that's what started it I was like this doesn't make sense how can this world and I, I guess I'd never really thought about this debt-based uh financial system that we we lived in and so that was the beginning i was like i gotta understand this more and i started going and then i i went from the kind of the, the debt-based system into the monetary system and um yeah and so i ended up going down the rabbit hole of of understanding our monetary system central banking um all, all of that stuff and i was you know without you know being any great sage or anything i i you know i was one of the people who didn't know the financial crisis was coming um actually you know 
the, you know, one of the people who's a, a bit of a laughing stock of the Bitcoin world now is Peter Schiff. Um, uh, but back in those days, before Bitcoin ever turned up, he he spoke a lot of sense. I mean, he still does about other things other than Bitcoin. Um, but uh, yeah, and so, you know, people like him were sort of banging the drum saying, look, this is insane what's happening. This, we're in a... The, the, we're massively, you know, the, the the debt bubble is just is is going to burst. The crisis is going to come. Um, and so I was already very much down that, you know, in that in that direction. And then, so that led me uh, to to being a gold bug. I went into, I got into precious metals. I was, uh, you know, buying gold and silver as fast as I, you know, as I could. Um, and so by the time 2009, 2010 came along and I started hearing about Bitcoin, which was when I'd moved to Spain, uh, I was I was already primed for it in some ways. You know, I was uh, I, I was aware of the, the background. I think, you know, Saferdeen's book, you know, has been such a an orange pill book for so many people. Right. And it's because he does such a great job of explaining the background behind Bitcoin, what it's actually solving. And so I luckily I'd already, you know, been, you know, gone down that. And so I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was ready for it. And then when I first started hearing about it, 2010, I, that, that began my, my, my Bitcoin rabbit hole. And uh, I, I was uh, pretty optimistic very quickly. You know, I, I kind of didn't take, didn't take me long to think, yeah, this could be, this could be something, something big. But at the same time, I, I should just add, I, I I had no confidence in it at that point. You know, I was no, I wasn't like, right, this is it. This is going to, you know, change the world. It was just like it made sense to me, the idea of it, and um, and so I thought it was worth a, you know, worth a punt. And uh, but I still thought, you know, there's a there's so many hurdles ahead. This is this is going to be, uh, uh, yeah. Let, let, it was kind of like let's just see what happens. It's worth, you know getting involved and uh, uh, we'll see where we go. And here we are now. It's interesting that you talked about that moment back in um, 03, I think you said, when you were looking around at these flats and looking around at the people that are buying them. I, I think we're around probably the same age, Gen X, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm mid forties. Uh, and I remember as well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember as well, mid to late forties, I should say. Uh <laughs> I remember, I mean, I was living in Singapore at the time and the housing market there was just going one way exponentially. It was just crazy. But there were other market forces at play. And I remember talking to, um, to friends back home and in London and what was going on there as well. I was like this, like you, I couldn't make any sense of it at all. Like I, I yeah. could not understand how... The family houses we had all grown up in, which I knew our parents had bought for like twenty-five to thirty thousand pounds, were now the like the same house was half a million pounds. Like the same house. Like this doesn't make any sense. And I don't care how many times you say location, location, location in a row. Like it still doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Yeah, and I don't care how much you say, oh, well, the infrastructure's improved. There was a traffic jam every single day, you know, getting in and out of town and potholes in the roads. So none of it made sense to me. And like you, I, I saw my friends all going in to debt 
Uh, and it's funny, I was um, just thinking about this the other day, because what's happening now in the UK, uh, I've seen some tweets and some anecdotal stories have come my way as well about how people are currently going through a remortgage um, because of the that their three to five year loan period is rolling over and they've got to now renegotiate with their bank or their mortgage lender new rates. And rates now aren't half percent, rates now are four and a half percent or five. This is nuts. Like the, the the difference that makes to somebody's monthly payment is huge when you're already in debt and living hand to mouth and running on the hamster wheel. You could be a two parent family, both at work and you're about to get shaken out of your house or you've got to renegotiate something uh, which is going to keep you at work another five to 10 years in, you know, in the future. And I can't like how many more people will wake up because there's something coming and it's going to be pretty bad. And when you look at what they did in COVID, I think it was back end of 2020, early 2021, when they lifted stamp duty. Do you remember that in the UK? Yeah, exactly. fueled. All of a sudden, everybody's putting their houses on the market because they could get cheap cash, right, a half percent, and they could flog their house, and then they could upgrade in their minds, to a bigger house, more comfortable living, lock themselves into another five-year mortgage, which is now all going to come to bear in the next 18 months or so. And it's already started happening for some people. So there's there's trouble coming. And there's something else yeah. you said as well, aversion to debt. And I've always had that too. And I, and I don't know why. Um, but then when you look at the games that are being played, let's take a, a billionaire, for example. If that billionaire wants a new house or a new luxury item or toy, uh, what's he going to do? Is he going to go out and buy it and cut the check? No, he's going to go to the bank and say, I want that house. It's six bedrooms. It's uh, in the perfect location for me and my family for when we want to spend our summer months here. What terms are you going to give me? They go straight to debt. Yeah. So when they get that debt, when they get that counterfeit money that the bank is legally allowed to print and counterfeit into their system for them to buy the house that they want at better terms than anybody else on the street because they have a better credit rating, that person, that billionaire has just debased the currency of everybody else around them. And yeah. this is perpetual inflation. And this is sick. That's why you have an aversion to debt. Because every yeah. time you take out a loan or apply for a loan, you are impoverishing, you're, you're debasing the worth and the value of everybody else around you. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think, I think it's that. And the other aspect of the aversion to debt, I think, is also, you know, I, I guess there's, there's part of me which has a sort of, you know, freedom-loving, libertarian side to me. And so the, the the debt is a liability. You know, you're 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 accountable to to somebody else or to another institution or whatever it is. But um, but yeah, it's exactly exactly that. And it's it's interesting because you know you nailed it. The uh, many of the wealthiest, most successful people have played the system, right? And they and that's actually. Until, I mean, it's a little, a little harder now because the interest rates have gone up. But the last, you know, twenty years really is is been cheap money 
and actually probably the best way to you know to, to play the system if you if that's what you want to do if you want to accumulate wealth was was probably to yeah was to actually take advantage of that uh, that debt based system take advantage of cheap money borrow you know that's what many many people did they especially in the real estate market right they they mm. did exactly what you what you said they buy up property cheap cheap with the very cheap rates and they just and the market's just you know it's just going up and they sell at a higher and then they they reinvest that money and so yeah but exactly what you mentioned is the is you know and it's something that gets lost on many people not so much in the bitcoin world because you know people are aware of this now but but yeah the every time a loan is created every time a mortgage is created it's new money it's you know it's not you're not it's not the bank isn't giving you a portion of their reserves you know to go and buy that house they're just creating another half a million a million 10 million whatever it is yeah uh, in and in you know fresh new money into the into the money supply so it got me thinking about what zuckerberg did classic uh he wanted more privacy right around his house so we got a we got a dude here he's a billionaire right we, we all know that so he buys four houses around him he buys his neighbors houses he buys them out to ensure his privacy that was 30 million dollars back in whenever this happened i guarantee you he didn't just cut the check for 30 million dollars right he maybe exactly. put down 10 percent. yeah still you're borrowing 20 well no the bank who's going into that deal is counterfeiting 27 million dollars of new money into the system and you've just impoverished at which drives prices of property up for everybody else and impoverishes impoverishes well debases the currency of everybody else as well it, it is zero, i mean it's not even a zero sum game it's it's worse <laughs> it's uh and and th this is an interesting point that we as bitcoiners are probably going to have to think about long and hard because when you're in that position and i know there's companies already out there are you going to loan against your bitcoin so you're going to keep your bitcoin nice and safe and then you're going to enter into the the debt market and take out pounds euros dollars against your bitcoin and be part of like perpetuate this this sick charade so you're fine with your bitcoin but now you're going to enter that market and take the counterfeit money and debase the value of everybody else's currency right yeah exactly i mean it doesn't sound uh, cool does it doesn't sound cool at all no and uh yeah i think that's that's the the danger right and uh i mean we've already seen i guess we've seen a bit of that already right and some of them have now failed the block fires of this world um but uh yeah i mean I, i'm ashamed to say i i actually went down that path for a brief uh period with blockfi and uh you know well it just it happened to it happened to be a time where i needed fiat and really didn't want to be you know selling my uh my stash you know so um i ended up uh, collateralizing getting taking some fiat from blockfi and but um but luckily i uh i you know 
got out before uh, before they they uh, collapsed. And uh, yeah, and then I said to myself, right, I'm not doing, I'm not going down that path again. You know, it's not cool in in any in any way. So yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's that's you know that's the interesting thing how's this how's it actually going to play out right how are we is bitcoin just going to become a sort of reserve you know asset a bit like gold was and on top of that we you know we're still going to have the, the the fiat you know the fiat world but it will be somewhat you know tied constrained or you know to to a kind of bitcoin standard let's say or does bitcoin itself become the the global you know currency of of choice so maybe it's one first and then evolves to the other um who knows how it's going to all unfold and and every country is going to be different right which is a nice a nice point of the conversation to to take us to el salvador so right you you, you jump on a plane and you want to go down you, you've seen the announcement i i suppose and you're like what is this like you know had you heard of bitcoin beach before bukele came and um announced in uh, miami 21 no no i hadn't i uh the, the the whole uh announcement at miami uh you know i wasn't there i was uh, i was in barcelona actually and um yeah that was a, just a, a bolt out of the blue right it was a it was an amazing bolt out of the blue because it was you know they were pretty depressing times right at that point we were right in the middle still of the whole covid fiasco and the way that had you know the 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 response to that right that we saw from governments media from even you know a lot of the general public and and um and yeah, so I it was you know those were quite tough times you know to 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 be going through. I I was also going through some not uh, some health issues, not serious, you know, nothing you know really serious, but but I had um, I had a really bad shoulder issue at the time, and I was going through intense kind of physio at, uh, in Barcelona, and um, and so it, yeah, it was you know just trying your best, one's best to keep your head above water and you know stay positive and we're, we're going to get through this and and then you know the Miami thing came along and and it was it was you know against this sort of Orwellian backdrop that was you know had taken over the world at that point was this sort of you know uh, yeah this bolt bolt out of the blue of kind of freedom and and hope you know tied to El Salvador so yeah i straight away i was like wow what, what's this all about you know how where did this come from you know i didn't know anything i hadn't I hadn't been followed because it had i think there had been um some uh, some um coverage i think maybe uh, uh peter mccormack had already done a, a podcast down there or something but i hadn't um uh, hadn't seen it so yeah it was it was completely new to me and i i but i straight away i was like right you know went down the el salvador rabbit hole and found out about bitcoin beach and um and it would just seem like this you know incredible story it all started in this little village on the coast you know so you know that it, my that just played into my spirit of adv adventure anyway you know i i love going off on a on a trip and 
And so, yeah, that was, uh, I, I couldn't travel immediately because of my shoulder problem, but I, I made that, I think I made the decision pretty much that day. I was, uh, I was going to go and check it out. And so I think it was about two months later, um, uh, I went down and, uh, yeah, went straight to El Zonte and yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where, where it all began. I, I, uh, I arrived in El Zonte without knowing, you know, any anything or anyone. I went on my own, and um, I uh, it was just that the whole thing was quite bizarre, you know. When I when I arrived, I, did, I had some you know ideas of what I thought El Zonte was going to be. I thought it was going to be, I thought I was already going to be a bit late on the scene in terms of the Bitcoin. You know, I thought it was going to be just full of Bitcoiners everywhere. And um, have you have you been? Well, have you been yet? No. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I arrived uh, and uh, it was like, the, the you know, well, the specific place where I went into El Zonte, because there, there are like two or three different roads that go into, take you into the, the village. And the one, the first one that I went down, um, there was just like nobody, there was nothing. It was just like a few huts, you know, and, I was like, am I in the right place? You know. Um, anyway, I, I, some some girl uh, appeared and she ended up uh, escorting me to where there was. She was like, oh yeah, you know, you, she wasn't anything to do with Bitcoin, but she, I sort of explained why I was there, and she's like, oh, I, I know where there are some people hanging out, and so she kind of escorted me to this uh, little um, hotel, one of the kind of more, I guess, modern hotels that that are there it's just a small small uh like boutique hotel i guess and uh yeah and there was like a bunch there's probably about six six people sitting around a table and um the only person i recognized was uh, john vallis and uh so i went straight up to him and i said hey john you know I'm a big fan of your podcast and uh and so uh, ended up sat, sitting with those guys got chatting and uh yeah. So at that point, there was no, you know, I, I hadn't, so I didn't, as I, you know, I, I never went with any objective to, right, I'm going to go there and, you know, pitch them a documentary. I, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, that's an interesting story, you know, but I, I hadn't gone there with any kind of real objective. And um, anyway, yeah, I got on great with John and then um, started, eventually got to meet the, the Bitcoin Beach guys. And uh, yeah, kind of the, conversations started and um i love the yeah. fact that you were, i love the fact that you you were led into like uh just i i, I imagine the scene just a tiny little shack on the beach somewhere and there's six or seven plebs sitting around and one of them's valis so you're like <laughs> yes <laughs> how good is that <laughs> exactly well that was it was such a relief to see a familiar face and like okay okay these guys i know that for a fact then that these are these are Bitcoiners. And um, so, and he, you know, it, it just so happens he was, you know, one of my kind of favorite podcasters uh, out there. Um, and so I was, yeah, it was, it was uh, awesome to meet him. And yeah. And then I got to, uh, I got to meet the other guys, as I say, uh, it was all a bit strange because when I, you know, they were, you know, as I found out, there were other people starting to turn up there and and at the uh, so that you know they have this place called hope house which is kind of their you know their 
headquarters doesn't it's not the right word but you know what i mean it's kind of where they're based i guess and um yeah and so i you know were, i could see that they were chatting with different people and whatever and busy and i didn't really want to like i guess partly that british you know sort of reserved kind of thing i didn't want to just go steaming in there and go right guys you know it's you know it's me and i want to make a documentary and you know like so i was just sort of hanging around the hanging around sort of the edges and eventually uh chimbera you know roman uh, kind of just one day just uh just sort of looked over at me and just said hey you know who are you <laughs> what, what are you doing here and uh so i you know i eventually kind of introduced properly introduced myself what i was doing then and uh and i said you know i i'm um i didn't really come here with any particular plan i came here to see what was going on meet you guys understand the story um i said if you know now that i have understood the story a bit more because i think about this time actually john had just released his first podcast with them and they really went into the background of um you know their, their background and, and leading up to the whole bitcoin beach before bitcoin was was part of their story and that was fascinating and so uh, i was starting to think well then maybe this is a documentary you know idea and so i yeah i just started floating the idea you know past him and um and he was like wow actually funnily you should say that um you know we've been sort of thinking about something as well we've been we've been approached by other people but they didn't they didn't make sense to us they you know they had their own uh kind of uh, their own agenda they were you know the commercial agenda we didn't really want to be part of that and um and I was and I said look I've got no commercial you know agenda I, you know for me this is something that I just I think it's just an amazing story and I you know I think I could get behind it you know and so, yeah, it was. It started off as a sort of, you know, back of a napkin kind of, you know, very basic agreement. Um, and they, it was them actually who said, "Well, you know, if we're going to do this, we'd love uh, John to be involved because he's really under his line of questioning. It really makes sense to us. We love, you know, where he's going with this." And and I was like, "Perfect, you know, that's you know, I've." you know i would love to have john involved as well and so yeah it was sort of one thing led to another and uh they they uh they took john out for dinner without me knowing and kind of pitched him the idea and he was like yeah you know i've never done any documentaries before but um uh you know if i can if i can help in any way i'm happy to help and then he, you know, he kind of left Elzonte thinking it's probably never going to hear, hear, you know, anything again. And then I got in touch with him, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think, and um, said, hey, look, you know, we've I've pretty much come to some agreement with with the boys in, in Bitcoin Beach. And if you're up for it, you know, we'd love to you know, make this happen. And so, yeah, that's how it, that's how it all started. Not a quick process, right? This is uh, like how many years work have you put in since like making the film and then editing the film, producing the film to the point of actually dropping it? Yeah, so it's well, it's been over. So that that <clears throat> excuse me, that first trip uh, was I think July August 
2021. Um, so, and it's just just come out now in the last couple of weeks. So, um, or about about a month ago, I, sh I should say. Uh, so, you know, over two years uh, from beginning to end um, journey, um, it was about three months of planning from the time we, you know, started the, well, from the time we came to an agreement, about three months of planning. We went back in November 21 um, to, to film. We were there for about a month filming every day pretty much all day and um and then we did another a uh, couple of weeks in the us and um so yeah it's probably in total six to eight weeks of filming and um because we then went back again to the us to to do another uh, interview we had to do um and then it was about eight months of eight nine months of editing so a lot i mean we we had so much footage it was crazy <laughs> and there was so you know that's the 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 tragic side in a way is how much doesn't make into the film even you know and i know you know probably the only little bit of negative feedback we've had from a few people is that it's it's a bit on the long side um generally the feedback's been amazing which is which is great um but it is quite long and and, it, and that was you know still having to leave so much out of it um so yeah it's a long so the editing process was 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 really long and um uh yeah so that that took us to about august september i think of la of 2022 yeah last year and then um after that starting to think about the kind of the well i say commercial the the, the kind of path to to market let's say the, the the distribution side and that was a big decision making process that we had to go through as well you know how do we how do we do this um do we uh you know do we just put it out on youtube and um or do we you know do we go down a more kind of traditional uh distribution route if we can because uh, it's not easy to 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 get that um yeah well, what does that look like do, do you have to start pitching big corporations companies in hollywood wherever that might be interested in taking up the film and distributing it what well, i mean I, we're all novices here right even you guys i suppose when well and that's another point because you guys did this uh you were a complete novice before you started just had the idea valis had never been in a film before but like it's all so brilliant i mean he does a great job you do a great job Chimbera and all that, you know, it just comes across as so well polished. Uh, you, you'd never know that this was just a bunch of Bitcoin plebs throwing some shit at the wall to see what was sticking. <laughs> it, it looked like a uh, a very highly professional piece of work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, well, uh, it was it was one of those it felt like one of those things where just you know the the, the everything fell into place you know it was, and um it, it was kind of meant to be you know just and, and as a group when we filmed as well um there was a you know in the end there was a quite a crew of us the sound engineer we had a couple of local guys in el salvador who were who were helping us out um 
and and I, I you know a, a really important part of this that made it all polished and everything was 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 Joe the director and he he's not a pleb uh, or not a Bitcoin a pleb you know we we actually managed to convert him over the uh, over the uh, you know the filming process or at least got into you know to uh, dip his dip his toes in the water but um, no he he was brilliant uh, he he you know had. He hadn't done. Uh, he, he'd done only, only one feature documentary before. He'd done a few short short films, um, but I, I had some experience working with him in Barcelona on a on a small project. And I I just I was really I was like, wow, this guy's good. You know, he's really um, and he was I sort of underappreciated as far as I could see. Like uh, you know, and so I thought, you know, I think he could do a, a fantastic job. So he he really you know he put the polish on on it uh, and you know we all kind of uh, did our bit and luckily it all it all came out it all came out great but um, yeah it was it was uh, the, the the whole distribution side I mean I, I I should just explain that as well because I do you know it is something I'm very conscious of is that we you know we're asking people to pay for it you know it, well it's not it wasn't by going down the distribution route it's actually the dis distributor who who's who's got that strategy um but by going down that route it means that people are having to pay for content and i know that that's you know not very common these days people are so used to you know really having free free video content and so um uh, yeah, it's worth explaining why, how that came about, and why that came about, and uh, um, so we, when we set out to make the, when we we first, you know, decided to make it, and, and I got Joe on board as the director, we had to think about okay, who's this film for? You know, what's what are we trying to do here? What's the real purpose? Who's it for? What audience are we trying to reach? And we all agreed that this was a story that could be very relevant to the general public to the masses not not just you know the bitcoiners and 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 from my perspective i thought there was a real opportunity and a real and a and a gap let's say in in content that was out there um to do with the kind of human stories around bitcoin you know there was there was a, so much content around you know the technical side obviously around the kind of macroeconomic side the history of money um you know more the kind of philosophical side of how you know what what could bitcoin mean you know in the future and um but there weren't wasn't that much that really kind of showed how well two things one the people that were that are involved in bitcoin who are trying to bring bitcoin to the world and the and and actually how bitcoin is affecting people how it's changing people's lives and transforming lives you know and because one one of the things i think on the on the first you know the the, the people that are bringing bitcoin to the world is that you know it's very clear especially back then i think it's becoming maybe a little less so now but it was bitcoin had a really bad image you know in the general public you know it's like it's uh you know destroying the environment it's you know a bunch of cult cult cultists um toxic uh, maximalists uh you know speculators just trying to you know uh, prop up a, a ponzi scheme you know all these complete you know 
and and actually when you you know when you meet people uh in bitcoin they're generally like just really nice people you know and people who actually want to make a difference people who want the world to be a better place you know they're kind of idealists and i don't think any of that was really out there you know and it, it was very so here was here was a, a an opportunity to to you know look at these people in el zonte look at the look at the compassion and and sense of you know you know uh empathy and love and whatever that these guys have and, and so um yeah so th th there was this opportunity to to uh to showcase that and and also to see how bitcoin was affecting you know the, the people there in el salvador and how it's changing people's lives and so on and so you know in terms of the the, the vision for what this film could be who it could connect with and so on it was like well this could be a you know a film for the general public and so then when it came to the distribution side uh, we didn't really we didn't decide anything until the film was made and once the film was made it was like wow this is you know it was, this is really high quality the cinematography is amazing the production's really good um it's been really well you know kind of weaved together and so um, it was at that point we thought, well, you know, um, I guess my ultimately my decision, like what, um, what am I going to do? And I thought it was worth maybe going, you know, because on the one hand, if you put it on YouTube, it's free and accessible to everyone. So you know, what what's going to get more eyeballs in the end, and from and what kind of people? And so it was a difficult decision but i thought if we go down the distribution route if it ends up getting on you know something like netflix or whatever then you know it's just going to get in front of many many more people different types of people and that was really the 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 main criteria i guess the main decision making um uh point in the end to go down that route so, did, did you get any help or connections or backing at all from the El Salvador government or the tourist board or Bukele himself? Uh, not Bukele himself. And uh, we, we got some help. Uh, well, we, you know, we interviewed the Minister of Tourism, um, Morena Valdez, uh, and she's amazing. She's just such a, a great, great character, super friendly and uh Super, very supportive of the whole bitcoin beach thing and and um so she was you know we, we interviewed her and she 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 through 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 her office and so on we got some help in doing a, a screening uh, the first ever screening was in san salvador the capital and it was for the low you know well it was, it was we brought up all the people from el zonte all the bitcoin beach guys and we had some you know some government people there it was quite an interesting mix of people um so that was amazing that you know they helped us get a, a venue uh where we could film it and we didn't have to pay for it and um so that was that was fantastic but no in terms of the distribution they they weren't involved in that um i so yeah you know I, as you say i'm complete novice didn't know you know what i was doing but i ended up doing a lot of i went down the rabbit hole of the filmmaking and film distribution and uh and you know and it's it's a quagmire you know trying to navigate you know even for people who you know really know what they're doing um so i ended up uh finding a, a 
an expert, someone who's worked in that industry all his life, and that's what he does. He he helps independent filmmakers um, find distributors, and so I had I contracted him uh, as a sort of middleman, and um, uh, his name's uh, Glenn Reynolds. Uh, runs a company called Circus Road Films, and yeah, so he he uh, ended up pitching it out for me on my behalf. And um, yeah, I ended up uh, managing to get this uh, get this deal. I mean, I didn't realize what a big deal it was actually, because you know he he himself said you know he he gets approached by many independent filmmakers. He said he only out of people who approach him cold, he probably only takes like one in ten. Um, so that as a, just as a starting point, you know, was was great that he even even though I'm paying him. You know, he, you know, he still, because um, part of it as well is he gets a commission on, 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 on the success. So, um, uh, and then, you know, and then he, yeah, he pitched it out and, and found this deal. And uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's how it came about. And but, um, what is the deal? Are you Are you able to share? I can't share the exact numbers, but effectively they, they there are i can t- say who it is there's a um they're called uh, freestyle digital media it's one of the biggest independent uh distributors in the us and therefore probably the world to be honest um and they yeah they they take a, a commission on uh so i don't they don't take any money up front um they don't pay me any money up front i should say uh and uh they take a commission uh, on on everything on every film that uh, on well on on all the revenue that comes in, and they but they have exclusive rights to the U.S., uh, Canada, and the Caribbean, and then outside of that, they they have kind of non-exclusive rights, which means that I'm I'm able to take it, you know, sell it or you know distribute it however I I please outside of those territories. So yeah. All right. So, where where are we at at the moment? What what uh, and and how can the people listening or watching? How can the plebs watch it? How can they help? How can they add value? What what's the what's the next step? Right. Well, the yeah. I mean, the next step is go and watch it. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's been out a few weeks. Um, it's uh, it's out on many different platforms. So. Yeah, I mean, just to explain that. So the distribution uh, strategy is, you know, the first period. We don't know how long that period is. It's a because they they have a, what they call a windowing strategy, and so the first window is it's a tr- it's a transactional window. So they put it out on many different platforms, um, and you you buy it or rent it initially. Um, there's a chance that later on it'll end up on uh, it could be a Netflix or a Hulu or a or, you know HBO or whatever. But um, this for the for the immediate future, it's um, yeah it's it's available to 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 rent or buy. In the US, it's on like it's 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 all over the place really. It's on every cable uh, network that there is. It's on. Um, a lot of the satellite uh, networks <clears throat> like uh, dish is, is like a big one over there um it's on you know the big streaming uh platforms like uh, youtube movies uh google play amazon um 
So, you know, the, the easiest on, thing. Are you on My Movies Plus? I don't believe I'm on My Movies Plus. I'll, uh, I'll connect you with Corey because Corey's a, a, a pleb. He's a Bitcoiner and he owns that platform. Yeah. And he wants to get all the Bitcoin films on there. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yep. That would so be, I'll, I'll put you in touch after this. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, now it's a, it's a case of, you know, uh, watching it and, you know, I'm obviously trying to trying to get as many people to, to see it, give as much feedback as possible, tell your, if you enjoy it, obviously, uh, spread the word. Um, I think, you know, that for me, the whole film is, it raises a bigger, you know, it gets into the whole area of adoption, right, which, is, which I think is a really interesting subject and that's something that i you know i guess is a, a motive as well was you know how could i how could i play my role in trying to drive you know i i believe what bitcoin can do right not it's not a it's not just about for me it's not just uh you know hodl and and uh and, and i'll and i'll have you know a lot of purchasing power in the future i you know for me it's it really can you know i really believe it can change the world and and so that in that sense then is well how do we get the world to to adopt it and so for me doing the film was was a lot about that was you know this is my small contribution this is something i can do to to help um you know hopefully help uh, adoption which is why we wanted to get it into you know the kind of the more mainstream audience uh rather than just the bitcoin community well i don't i don't really like using the word community i think more you know the bitcoin uh plebs let's say and um and uh yeah but you know i think adoption is is a really you know it's a, it's a really interesting area to to think about like where where are we uh, with adoption and you know what what's going to drive it and what where what's coming next who who what's the next big kind of step forward so that to me is a you know i i see the film as part of that you know part um that, in, that kind of fascinating area uh, to to explore yeah well mate so, thank you for thank you for your for your work and, and stepping up it's very uh inspirational and i hope a lot of people uh watching this or, or listening uh, uh, they will eventually go and scratch their own itch because they know that they've got something in them to add value to this space and, and i say it all the time it doesn't matter if it's a a song or an article or a poem or you know a, a film in your case there's something and we need all hands on deck to to just capture that next thousand people, you know, it's uh, that's that's the way this is going to happen. So, uh, I guess yeah. final question wise, uh, I usually ask if you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? But I guess in your case, if you could choose one person to sit down and watch the full film and suddenly click, ah, oh, I get Bitcoin, who would that person be and why? Well, before you before you said the, the part about I you know now I get Bitcoin, I was going to probably say Bukele <laughs> because <laughs> not to watch the film and uh, and you know and then uh, 
you know, because I, I I think it's a I think it's a really very pro. Obviously, it's a very pro El Salvador um, film. So I think hopefully it will do do some something towards their rep. You know, build contributing to to their uh, reputation building as well, which is already incredible, right? It's amazing what's happening in terms of the um, uh, the the way that they they've changed their image and reinventing. You know, I, I hear. Stacey Herbert always talks about you know the, the greatest rebrand re um, that's ever happened, and and I I know what she means. It's so <clears throat> yeah. So I would love Bukele to watch it, but obviously he get he really does get Bitcoin. So um, in terms of orange pilling, that wouldn't make sense. Um, uh, I guess you know I guess it would have to you know be another filmmaker because because it's you know and and so i don't know i think you know i think uh there's a couple of people who i who i've really whose documentaries i've really enjoyed in the past um i don't know if you know the the uh british uh documentary maker adam curtis have you do you know it doesn't him? ring a bell what what documentaries has he made he's um well, he's done many over many years. Uh, I think probably one of his biggest uh, well-known ones was a few years ago now called Hypernormalization. Is huh. that oh. ringing bells? No. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, this already sounds like the perfect idea. I can see where <laughs> your mind is going. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's he's done some amazing, amazing documentaries over, over the years. I mean... I, the only thing is, I think you know he's he they, they they've all been released through. I think they've all been released through the BBC, and so he's you know a little bit I think constrained by how far he can go with his documentaries by the fact of this you know that it's going out on the BBC. Um, so, but you know he did one for example back in the day back in I say back in the day back in. Back in the days of the whole um, war on terror, called the Power of Nightmares, uh, which was really, really uh, interesting, big one. It was all about the propaganda being used to kind of drive the the war on terror and all and, and all of that. Um, but he's just got a, a really amazing way of making films, and he uses uh, he uses just all these great kind of uh snippets of footage that you're I, I guess he because he has access to the bbc archives um he he's able to weave together these incredible kind of stories i anyway i highly recommend him as a, a you know check out some of his his documentaries hypernormalization is a really good one mm. um yeah i'm just reading out a quick a quick paragraph about him uh adam curtis is a British documentary filmmaker. His favorite theme is power and how it works in society. I mean, come on, Adam. Like, <laughs> this is it. This is the thing. We have the perfect, absolute perfect, you know, case here. Exactly. Exactly. So if you, you know, I'd love him to be orange build and and do do something, do one of his style kind of documentary on. On, on and get it pushed into the BBC where millions of normies will watch it. Like that exactly. would be perfect. Perfect Trojan horse. Exactly. So any plebs listening, that's the ask. How do we get 
Graham in touch with uh, with Adam Curtis. That that's yeah. what we need the network to step up and help us with. I think that would yeah. be such a incredible value add if we can get you guys talking, get him watching the film, get him excited about this subject and understanding you know the the, the deep impact that both you and I see. Like you see, yeah, this isn't about hodling and you know increasing our purchasing power then using it as collateral to enter into the fiat market. Like no, we're here for different reasons. And that right. that reason is what you've seen a, an increase in everybody's purchasing power, in everybody's happiness, in everybody's health, and everybody. And, and what happened down at Bitcoin Beach, uh, and you know, multiplying that by thousands, if not millions. Exactly, that's exactly right. And you know, I I would just add, I'm not probably not meant to, I'm not allowed more than one person, but I'm going to add one more as well because another another good documentary filmmaker is Oliver Stone. Right. And I think uh, I think he would be the other one that would be great if he could be orange pilled and uh, um, and uh, and do something in, in the Bitcoin world. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, I want to give a shout out as well to Pierre, Pierre Corbin, who put us together and is organizing with Tomek as well. The film festival, which the, the first run was last year in uh, Warsaw, I believe, in Poland. And they're going to be doing that again in April. So are you going to be going there? Are you going to be walking the red carpet, getting the uh, Satoshi Oscars? Uh, well, I certainly, I certainly hope so. I, I don't know about the uh, Satoshi Oscars, but it's a nice idea. Is um, it an orange carpet? Please tell me it's an orange carpet. Yeah, right, right. It has to be an orange carpet. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I would definitely, I'd definitely try and make it. I'm, they're doing something at uh, Lugano, you know, the conference mm -hmm. in. Uh, Lugano well they're doing they've got a whole uh, their their the whole film festival idea is really you know gathering um momentum and and you're right you know uh good shout out to Pierre for for uh, putting us in touch um but they're doing something in the uh Lugano which is another you know they're trying to build their own little uh, circular economy there Bitcoin putting Lugano on a Bitcoin standard as I'm sure you know and um, so I've I've got a uh, I'm doing a, a short thing for them, short little uh, presentation with a trailer. They're not they don't have time to screen the whole film because they've got limited time. But um, um, I'll be uh, putting something something together for for that. Um, and then I'm gonna see um, see whether because actually I the film is screened at. Uh, are you are you going to adopting Bitcoin by any chance in El Salvador? No, we don't have plans. That's middle of November, is that correct? Yeah, well, early November, yeah, about the seventh. No right, okay. No, no, no plans. Oh, yeah, oh, I'd love to. We just, uh, <laughs> we're actually in Lugano and then we're hanging around uh, Como for a little while and then we're going to up to Stuttgart for the, uh, um, the week long Bitcoin events thing. And we're going to be doing live podcasts at the, uh, the Princess Hotel. So, yeah, that, that kind of overlaps a little bit with adopting Bitcoin, so we're not going to be able to make it. But like I told you in our text, after watching the, the film, the documentary, sorry, Lauren, uh, my wife <laughs> just turned around to, and said to me, we have to go to Elset. I'm like, yes, thank you, Graham. <laughs> so it's, it's much more on the cards now. And so who knows? Maybe there's a, a late winter trip or even Christmas time. Who, who knows? Uh, I'll be yeah, keeping a keen gotta, eye on the flights. Yeah, you you got to go because it is, it's you know it's, I'm sure you've heard it many times. It's uh, it's a special thing going on there, and it's not just the Bitcoin thing. You know, it's just 
the the energy there the optimism the hope the the you know it's really quite unlike any anything i've ever experienced and um you know and i guess it's because of that uh, that backdrop which is you know why we had that at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. you know all the stuff all the nightmare that that country has been through over many decades you know the suffering the wars the the, the rule by gangs everything that they and so to you know to out of the out of the flames you know this this kind of this uh phoenix has uh emerged and it's just it's a it's yeah. such a great story and i'm looking forward to seeing mike and chimbera in lugano because i know they're going uh, and i oh, met them right. last year and i met them last year in biarritz at the uh the conference there uh and actually i just checked the back catalog because i had mike peterson on from bitcoin beach and I couldn't remember what date. And I've just double checked it. It's episode 103. If anyone's interested in going to look at that, uh, listen to it. It's not on YouTube. But that was January 2021. So before the Bukele announcement. So this right. is interesting, I would say, to go back and listen to that and listen to Mike and what they're trying to achieve before the news drops. Because none of that was on the cards in January 2021. You know, nobody knew. Nobody knew this was coming. And he was still at the point of just telling the story about the anonymous donor and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to build it and reach the locals. And uh, they had, a, I think they had the Bitcoin Beach wallet going at that time. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, and you know, how he'd connected, but nobody knew really who Chimbera was or um, Jorge, right? Uh, and uh, or, or even Mike, you know, he was just literally hitting the podcast scene. And the reason I knew about those guys, I reached out because I'd, offhandedly heard a comment from Matt O'Dell on a rabbit hole recap. Him and Marty were banging on about something, you know, talking about adoption. And I think he said, yeah, well, just look what's happening down at Bitcoin Beach with Mike. Uh, I'm like, what? what? What did he just say? Like, where is this? So I Googled Bitcoin Beach and come up with, with that. right, okay. And I found them on Twitter and reached out and set up the, uh, the wow. interview. So it's a great interview. And then to see the guys in Biarritz on stage on a panel was really special because they had uh, a little video update of what's been going on. And this was August, 2022. So they had almost a year of the, the big announcement and uh, the changes. And obviously you guys had obviously been and started filming right at that point, which yeah. none of us knew about either. <laughs> and as Chimbera is talking about the difference it's making to the locals and stuff, uh, Mike sitting on the panel, just like streaming tears. And yeah. that was so powerful for my wife and kids to see as well, because yeah. we were all there watching. Uh, yeah. And just the difference it's making on the ground there to people, which you do convey very, very well in the film as well, is so heartwarming and uplifting and gives everybody such hope. And that's what hooked my wife into wanting to go and see for her own like self what is how is bitcoin changing people and has he been talking complete nonsense at a dinner table all these years or is there something to this you know <laughs> well exactly well that's that's amazing that uh that you uh you know you were you had already interviewed them back in january 21 so was that i mean because I, I the the first uh podcast i was aware of that they'd done was with um with with Pete, you know McCormack was were you were you even before before him then? Or? I really don't know. Don't right. know. 
yeah. it was but anyway it was that was a long uh yeah it was that was very early on before that was really when they were just getting going i guess well i yeah. guess no i guess been they've been you know they were right in the middle of of getting their little circular economy uh uh going at that stage um, yeah incredible story really yeah. great 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 story all yeah. right man well let's um let's start wrapping it up is there is there anywhere that you'd like to send the plebs to, to come and find you or any further ask other than to contact you with oliver stone and adam curtis <laughs> is there anything else that the guys can do that, uh, that um, listening? yeah well i would i'll definitely direct them to two two places one is uh the twitter handle so unfortunately what one thing that happened uh was I'd been building the the kind of Twitter account for the film uh, over the whole two year journey, and then uh, just a couple of weeks ago, just after the film came out, I got locked out of the account. Um, it was it was tied to a phone number in a, a different country where I was living before, and I didn't even think about it. I moved country, uh, didn't have the phone number, didn't have access to that phone number anymore. And they couldn't verify me, so they locked me out, and I lost. You know, it's still. I think it's still live the the uh, the account, but uh, that was really frustrating. So I had to start again. So any uh, any any supporters, any followers, really welcome. And uh, uh, so that is uh, at Bitcoin underscore Films. Um, it's the handle. It's it's called. You know, the 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 name of the profile is Dare to Dream, but. The uh, the handle is at Bitcoin underscore films, and the other thing would be the website because the website has all the information about where it can be watched because it depends on where you are in the world. Um, it's worth knowing as well that uh, those outside of the uh, the the countries that have the distribute the exclusive distribution rights, which is U.S., Canada, and Caribbean. So outside of those countries, um, you can you can basically download the film with with sats uh through the website as well um that was really important that we had that uh, available um so yeah the, the the film website is dare to dream hyphen film.com excellent uh, all the information's on there all right mate well thanks for your work thanks for coming on looking forward to uh to meeting you at some stage in person That'd be great. Uh, and hopefully I'll be with the whole family and you can um, talk us through some of those uh, behind the scenes moments where everything yep. was going wrong and some bloopers <laughs> and things like that. Everybody loves those. <laughs> exactly. No, well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been a blast. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to meet in person at some point. All right. Have a great day, Graham. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Bye. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Graham. Please go and support this initiative. Go and watch the film. Go download it. Reach out. Ask to show it at an event or something like that. Um, anything you can do to help support these projects, right? Because as, as you heard, this is just a pleb initiative. And this is what I love about Bitcoiners. They, 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 they step up. They just like they, they see something in front of them. And they will upskill themselves, completely reskill themselves, just to add value in the space in the best way that they feel that they uh, can see fit at that point. Uh, and, and we all need to be doing this, right? And I know, I know, I know I go on about this all the time. 
but if we, we really do have to take this seriously, the social layer of Bitcoin, connecting with each other, leveraging each other's network, because my network is your network and our network will be our net worth. And our network is Bitcoin. This is the whole point of growing the network. It's the number of people that go up that is the key metric in the Bitcoin network, not the number of whatever fiat currency that you are you know, using as a measurement against your Bitcoin stack. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. More people need to understand what is happening here and the difference it makes to people's lives. Projects like this are huge. They're absolutely amazing. Please go and watch the film. You will not be disappointed. And if you are disappointed, send your DMs to John Vallis. I, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't respond. Uh, anyway, that all, uh, all said, social layer, Orange Pill app, they're hand in hand. If you've not downloaded the Orange Pill app and had a look at it, you will have to pay to get on there. Why? Because there's Bitcoiners only. They don't want to be disturbed by shitcoiners or bots. So you do have to pay to get over the barrier to enter that high signal place. There's over 5,000 Bitcoiners on there now. It's growing all of the time. The app is now one year of age. You can look at events on there. You can list events on there. You can find your people, use it when you're traveling, see if there's anyone in your area. Go and build something together with these plebs. It's so damn important. And always, always please support the show sponsors where and how you can. Swan out of the US, Relay out of Europe. That's relay.ch and use the code BITTEN. You'll save on commissions. Hodla Hodla Global and Wasabi, a global, offering you the service of a coin join to up your privacy. Mempool, obviously, the best way for you to visualize the Bitcoin uh, blockchain. And please take self-control. Self-custody your Bitcoin, not your keys, not your coin. Bitbox02. Hit the link in the show notes. Save yourself 5%. Catch you on the next show.